Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Contemporary Service. We are super excited to have you joining us this morning for worship. Wait, wait, wait. Second. Give me a second. Just a second. Eric. I want to take a quick moment to recognize people who almost never get recognized here in this service, or any service, really. And that's our people up in the booth. They're working their tails off Sunday after Sunday to try to make it so we have a wonderful service. And it never goes right, and it's not their fault. <laughs> like, there's just always gremlins in the system, and they are just always doing their best literally to make themselves not seen. Right? The best tech person is a tech person you never think about. <laughs> so I just want to take a moment and say thank you, Booth. You guys are fantastic, and we can't do what we do without y'all. That being said, why don't we stand and sing some worship to our God? We can bring down the house lights. Yeah, get the atmosphere going. Sing some Christmas songs together.
invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you.
this video about our Christmas experiences. Christmas Eve is here, and we wanted to share with you a few changes that will happen this year, and let you know the spaces that will be in, so that you can be with us on December 24th. We'll have our usual times of family service at 5 o'clock, and then we have them at 7, 9 to 11, but we've done a little shifting this year. So the 5 o'clock service, the family service, will be in Celebration Hall at 7 o'clock, also in Celebration Hall will be the usual service that's been in the sanctuary. This year will be in Celebration Hall. Then at 9 o'clock we'll have our typical communion service with the soloist. And then 11 o'clock here in the sanctuary again will be the choir and orchestra for our traditional candlelight service. We'll have candlelight at all of the services, although Allie will share a little bit about the uniqueness of the family service. Hi, I'm Allie Hall, and I'm so excited to tell you all about the Family Worship Christmas Eve service. Now, normally in Christmas Eve service, we use candlesticks, right? We know kids and fire don't exactly mix. So we are going to use glow sticks as we sing Silent Night. But one glow stick just wasn't enough. So we changed our theme to the Family Worship Service to be a light show. And we will have a glow station complete for kids to come and pick whatever glow accessories they want to use in the Christmas worship. We are going to have so much fun. We're going to sing songs. We're going to hear a wonderful Christmas story. And I hope to see you all here in Celebration Hall at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. So once again, let me reiterate, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock here in Celebration Hall, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the Sanctuary. And we need some help to pull off these Christmas Eve services. We need ushers, we need greeters, and we need some tech help. So if you can sign up using the connection card, either in-person worship or go online to our website where we have the next steps that provide the link to that connection card, please fill that out and let us know that you can help us out and make this a truly special time as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second candle is called peace, and it's a reminder that God's gentle, lo peace, gentle, lo loving peace is a gift to us. The third candle is called joy, 
because it reminds us of God's abiding presence in our lives. wondering why the third candle up there is pink? Yes, and you got to light it today. It is the candle of joy, as we just learned. And during Advent, we've been talking the past few weeks about kind of some hard stuff, right? Some darkness, talking about how our world is in need of a Savior. And that, that can be kind of somber, and so we have the purple. Purple is also used during Lent, which is also a somber season of the church. But the third Sunday of Advent, it's like we're almost there, we're getting there, and it's kind of a, a respite candle. So it's pink to symbolize that joy, that we are slowly getting into that joyful time. It's called the Godette candle. So you can surprise your friends with that trivia. The Godette candle, the pink candle, uh, the third Sunday of Advent. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, I post a really funny meme every year from the Mean Girls, the Mean Girls movie. And somebody has doctored it, of course, and it says, on the third Sunday of Advent, we light pink, because they, they wear pink in the movie. Have to, have to see the movie to know what I'm talking about, but it's really funny. So the pink candle of joy. I do want to call your attention, to, before we do our scripture reading and sermon, that uh, the, gift card are, the gift card orders are in. So if you ordered, especially during that first round of the gift cards to support our youth group, make sure to stop by the office following worship and pick up your gift cards. And then also a double order came in, which means we have a lot of extras. So if you are looking for a few last-minute gift card purchases, you can buy those today and take them with you. And again, a percentage of each gift card goes to support our youth group and their upcoming mission trips. And we also have our youth group Christmas party coming up um, next Sunday evening at 5.30, which uh, youth are invited to. And also tonight is our Festival of Music and Art starting at 5.30 with our Janus Developmental Services artists. I pointed out a few times that my Grinch uh, wine bottle decoration there came from the art sale last year, and then there's going to be a choral and orchestra concert. It's going to be a really joy-filled evening here at Noble First, all starting at 5.30. So hope to see you back here this evening. And of course, today was a festive sweater Sunday, so I see several good ones around, including a Grinch t-shirt up here. Love it as we continue our, our Grinch series. So we, flamingos, Bonnie has flamingos. So Kevin has a taco one. I love it. <laughs> All right. Today's uh, scripture lesson comes from the first chapter of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the light was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. We are thankful for the gift of Scripture. So today we are exploring, again, our third week of the Grinch. Talking about the Grinch series called The Heart That Grew Three Sizes. 
how we can explore this season through the eyes of the Grinch and the things that he can teach us, which is actually a lot, as we discovered. Today, we are talking about when light shines, when light shines, and what that means for us. Now, I feel like that we all have some kind of traumatic experience with being in the dark, especially as kids. I remember being terrified whenever a storm came at my house in Knoxville, Tennessee, because it was surrounded by trees, and chances were that the lights were going to go out. So every time I heard thunder, even if it was a far distance away, I would grab my flashlight and be ready for the dark of the house. Even as an adult, I remember a time when I went with a youth group to one of those um, corn mazes you know, the, during the fall, the pumpkin patch, and there was an indoor maze that was all in the dark. Okay, and they convinced me to go in it. Now, I was horrified <laughs> because once I got in there, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a panic attack because you couldn't, couldn't find your way. I mean, it was really scary. So I didn't think that I would ever make it out of there. But eventually, our group decided to help each other out by kind of using our voices, maybe you know, tap, tapping a shoulder and finding your way through. And it was such a relief to come into the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Anyone ever done one of those indoor mazes? I would not recommend it, okay? <laughs> once? Once was enough, yes. What is it about the darkness that is scary or unnerving to us, especially as children and even as adults? It's that sense of unknowing. It's that sense of not knowing what awaits us in the dark and not being able to see what is in front of us, not being able to find our way. Maybe there's a, a fear you're going to trip over something in the middle of the night, right? There's something so reassuring about a nightlight. My son Xavier is five, and if we don't have a nightlight in his room, forget it. I mean, it's like the end of the world. That one little nightlight convinces our kids that it keeps the monsters away and gets rid of any of the creepy crawlies that may be under the bed. So when the Grinch sets out to steal Christmas away from the Who's and enact his evil plan, he does it in the darkness of night, in the middle of the night. He's up to no good. He comes out of the darkness of his cave to steal Christmas away. There's no hesitation or remorse from the Grinch as he snatches up all the toys in his huge bag, not even leaving a crumb behind. Darkness is, at the end of the day, just an absence of light. The absence of light, though, can help hide things that we don't want people to see. The absence of light can hide things to which we would rather not call attention. But darkness, of course, isn't altogether bad. Our senses are heightened in the dark. We pay more attention to the sounds, the smells, and the ways our bodies are moving, more cautious and intentional. The darkness, if it surrounds us in a familiar space, we can use our memory to figure out where things are, to know how things are set up, and touch maybe becomes how we move about. Now, food seems to taste better by candlelight a lot of times, right? Perhaps conversations last longer, wine is savored more, it's romantic maybe. This is the basic idea of a restaurant craze started in Zurich, opened by four blind entrepreneurs in the late 1990s. Diners make reservations months ahead of time to 
to eat their dinner in the dark, pitch dark. The restaurant owners were inspired, ironically, by a Swiss pastor who routinely blinded dinner guests who came to his house. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so if you get a dinner invitation from me, I'm, I'm not going to use that idea. But he said they paid more attention to the food, and they also listened to each other better. And it was just a, a good kind of atmosphere where everybody was very tuned in to what they were saying and doing. So now there are similar dark restaurants in Paris, Montreal, Tel Aviv, and in several states in the U.S. Could you do it? Could you eat in the dark? I don't know. Maybe give it a try. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> now in Zurich, the waiters used jingle bells on their shoes. In Paris, every dropped fork results in a wave of laughter. Diners learn to pour their own wine by slipping one finger inside the wine glass and tipping the bottle, right, so that they can feel the wine coming in. The waiter coaches people how to eat food on their plate by using the image of a clock. So grilled salmon at 12 o'clock, roasted potatoes at 9, snap peas at 3. Some people have even confessed to taking off their shirt while eating because they're afraid they're going to get everything on it. I mean, why not, right? No one's going to see them anyway. <laughs> but regardless of our activities in the dark, we are always quick to notice when light breaks through. I imagine if you are a person who take takes off your shirt, you're, oh my goodness, right? It's light. It's not that darkness is necessary to see the light, but darkness certainly makes light more noticeable. Sometimes when we are in the dark, the presence of light is that relief, that comfort, and gives us that sense of security. When I was in South Africa years ago with a group of clergy colleagues, and I've shared several different stories from my experience there, one of the things that we did was we walked through one of the townships that was unfortunately created by the apartheid government years ago, and people still live there. While we were walking around, we of course noticed the horrendous living conditions. We also noticed a disturbing absence of streetlights as we walked along the dirt roads. We learned that women and girls of the township would not leave their homes at night, even to go to the bathroom, because the bathrooms are mostly porta potties. They wouldn't even leave at night because they knew that people were waiting in the dark to attack. So women and girls were constantly being sexually assaulted and raped on these roads in the dark. Our group talked about that the presence of light wouldn't necessarily solve the whole problem, but at least it'll be a start for a safer community for all the people who live there. So even an ounce of light can bring hope into the darkest of places. This is true for the dark of night, but also for the dark places in each of our lives. It's no wonder that the Gospel of John introduces us to Jesus as the light that shines in the darkness, and that the darkness does not extinguish that light. It's no wonder that John proclaims Jesus as the light of the world, and he sets out to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to lift up the brokenhearted, to bring people into that light. On the other hand, the Grinch sets out to extinguish the light, both the inner light that lives in each one of us, especially at Christmas time, 
and the actual lights that are the symbols of Christmas. So let's take a look at what happens when the Grinch tries to take away one of those key symbols from the particular who holiday. Now, Grin the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. As the Grinch took the tree, as he started to shove, he, he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou who, who was no more than two. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Hi, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on this tree that, that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who was in bed with her cup, he crumped to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar, and the last thing he took was a log for their fire. On their walls he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it's an accident that the Grinch calls attention to the lights not working. He tells such a quick lie to Cindy Lou that we realize that there's an underlying truth there. Because a Christmas tree with broken lights is like a Grinch with a heart that's two sizes too small. Now, whenever I come home from a long day this time of year, I walk into my house and I see a dark Christmas tree in the corner. And I just get kind of sad, right? It's just begging to be turned on. The lights are, need to be turned on. It's just something about turning on the lights that bring you that, that warmth in your home. There's just something really sad about a Christmas tree with no lights on it. A Christmas tree, of course, can still hold ornaments or have presents placed underneath it, but it's just not the same without the lights. In the same way, the Grinch still has a heart, but it's just not big enough right now to do much good. There's just something missing. The Grinch conceals the truth fooling Cindy Lou Who, but he does not fool himself. Because the Grinch is dealing with that darkness in his own life. The Grinch knows that he, too, has darkness. He knows that what he is doing is wrong. He acknowledges those dark places in his heart. In the same way, we all have had times of darkness in our lives, but we have a hard time finding the light. I have a friend who pastors at United Church of Christ near the north side of Indianapolis, and she does a lot of ministry around mental health. 
and she has had a lot of conversations and even trainings with her church members around how to care for and love people who are dealing with severe mental health concerns. One evening at the church, after a series of meetings, one of her church members saw a light left on in a small prayer chapel and noticed a woman in there who seemed to be praying. At first, the church member thought, I'll just leave her alone. She needs that time. But then she felt the Spirit of God nudging her to go back in and sit next to this woman. So she walked into the chapel, and she sat down, and she asked the woman, Are you okay? And the woman, it turns out, was going through a very dark time in her life. So dark, in fact, that she was contemplating ending her own life. In her loneliness and pain, she felt that no one really saw her. So just by someone noticing her in this small prayer chapel, by a glimpse of light, this church member was able to come in and remind this person that she was seen, loved, and cared for. She embraced her and was able to get this person the help that she so desperately needed. She was able to help bring her out of that darkness into the light. This reminds us that at the end of the day, love is the light in the darkness. And we don't come into that light by ourselves all the time. We have people who come alongside of us, who remind us, who walk with us, showing us that we are not alone. One of my favorite movies of all time is Under the Tuscan Sun. Anybody else seen this movie? It's kind of a chick flick, okay? But it's very, very good. It's one of my favorites. It's about a woman named Frances who learns, unfortunately, that her husband is having an affair. And her friend sends her off onto a trip, a tour to Tuscany. And on that trip, by a series of strange events, she ends up buying a villa in Tuscany living there and building her new life. Now, she has a dear friend from the United States who was very, very pregnant and had her own heartache, and so she came over to Tuscany to visit Frances, and her friend gives birth while she's there. And Frances opens this window of the hospital to see this beautiful sunrise, and she says, in Italian, the word for giving birth is dara alla luce, which means to bring into the light. We are all brought into the light as we come into this world. As people of faith, we are meant to be people of the light. And we are called to reflect the light of the world that we find in Jesus. Now we confess that light is not always easy to find. In a world of chaos, brokenness, and despair, it's easy sometimes to feel like that darkness has overcome the light, or that we have become blind to it. There's a man named Jacques Lucerian, who was a French resistance fighter who was not born blind, but became blind at a later age. We have a photo of him, if you don't mind putting that up. Uh, there he is. At a time when, when blind people were swept to the margins of society, Jacques' parents were determined to help him live a mostly normal life. They sent him to regular school. They learned Braille with him. And above all, they never pitied him. But they encouraged him to always discover new things, to not let his blindness get in the way of that. 
he wrote these words, I had completely lost sight of my eyes. I cannot see the light of the world anymore. Yet the light was still there. So through the ups and downs of his life, Jacques learned that the best way to see the inner light and remain in its presence was to love. Sadly, in January of 1944, the Nazis captured Jacques along with 2,000 of his countrymen, and he was sent to Buchenwald. When Jacques let himself be consumed with anger, he started running into things, slamming into walls and tripping over things. When he called himself back to attention, he refocused himself. The space, space both inside and outside of him opened up so that he found a way to move and live with ease. He found his light again. The most valuable thing that he learned was that no one, no one could turn out that light inside of him without his consent. Even when he lost track of it for a while, he knew that he could find it again. Now most of us don't know what it's like to be physically blind, but we do know times of darkness and pain and blindness and uncertainty. We do know times of blindness in our lives where light cannot be found. But hear these words, that no one can turn out that light inside of you without your consent. In the words of the gospel today, that the light has come into the world and that the darkness does not put it out. Even the Grinch, who embraced his dark night of the soul with his heart that was two sizes too small, began to see an inkling of the light. And it starts here in the heart. It starts with being born again into the light. So on this third Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of joy, may you embrace your inner light and rediscover the light of the world. And may you discover also a bringing that joy of the light as you bring others into it. May it be so. Amen. I invite you to enter into a time of prayer with me. We'll have a few moments of silence then a pastoral prayer, and then we'll lift up the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. O God of light, of love, joy. On this Sunday, we embrace joy as we lift up the candle of joy. And we are reminded that even in sometimes this somber season, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is Emmanuel, God with us. So today, oh God, may we lift up those dark times in our lives or those dark spaces in our hearts not to be ashamed of them, but just to acknowledge them, to confess them, and to know that light shines through it all. So wherever we are today in our journey through the dark, remind us that we are not alone, 
remind us that light shines through even the smallest of cracks, even in the darkest of places. And that as we look around, oh God, there are those who come alongside of us to take our hand and to bring us into the light. And at the end of the day, oh God, that is what Christmas is about. That love is the light of the world. That friendship, companionship, those are the things that help us to take each day one day at a time and for us not to be blinded or distracted by that which takes up our our time that's not joyful or holy. So God, as we continue our Advent journey, we ask for peace. We ask for stillness in the midst of the craziness of the season. We ask for glimpses of joy. Today, O oh God, we know that we bring so much into this space that weighs heavily upon us or that we are rejoicing in this morning. So send your Holy Spirit upon each person, each situation. Send healing to those who are in need of it. Strength to those who pray for courage. And light to those who feel they are sitting in the dark. And Lord, all of this and so much more, we give thanks. And we ask in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray by saying together the words that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. to the fountain 
shepherd, he took a cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning as we sing the words, come, Lord Jesus, come, it is not just a future time when Christ will come again. It's not just a remembrance of the time of Christmas when he
so much for joining us this morning for contemporary worship. We now invite you.